going on, everybody? We're back. Episode 12 of the RC Podcast. It's September baseball. Here we go. Cannot wait. Rosters expand today. We got the Mets gave us a little scare. Lost six in a row. Would have won two straight since then. Winning. They're going to win their series against the Phillies. They're going for the sweep tonight. Or, excuse me, later. Is it tonight? I should probably know this. It is at night, yes, because it's an ESPN game. Marcus Stroman taking on Zach Eiflin. Mets going for the sweep of the Phillies before they head to D.C. for three, a huge three-game set. Then they head home for three with the Phillies, four with Arizona, and then three with the Dodgers before going on the road again. So as we get into September, it's crunch time. Every game down the stretch is going to matter. Right now, they're 69-66 and 66 on the year. Uh, because of that little scare, they slipped six straight losses. They slipped a little bit. But they're still four games out of a wild card. They got just Milwaukee, Arizona, and the Phillies in front of them with the Nationals and Cubs holding those top two spots. So, ideally, if the Mets do have the capability to come back into it. I mean, four games out with, I believe it's like 27 or around there left to play, is certainly capable of the Mets making up those four games. You know, they lost a lot. It was, I was quite nervous (laughs) during that six-game stretch where they lost all six. They got swept by the Cubs, then got swept. Who did they play beforehand? They got swept by the Cubs, and they got swept by Atlanta. And then they have now won, of course, as I mentioned earlier, two or three against the Phillies, and then have Washington up next. So within the Mets, uh, with rosters expanding today, no idea what's going to unfold. You know, rosters expand to 40 for everybody. Uh, Brandon Nimmo started a rehab between this episode and last episode. He's expected to join the team today. Jed Lowry has started rehab. Yes, that Jed Lowry, he's still alive. Don't know if he'll be ready to join the team just yet, but he's definitely getting close. He's currently with AAA Syracuse as part of his rehab. Robinson Cano just started rehab yesterday, went 2-for-4 with Brooklyn. And then uh, Robert Gasselman was placed on the injured list with what's thought was tendonitis and not and it turns out now it is a lat issue so no timetable really for Gasalman but with rosters expanding it works out for the Mets getting some reinforcements in the bullpen getting a deeper bench with um with that we're looking at a fun stretch I was trying to think of a better word to use than fun but fun really is is the only word I could use I guess we're looking for at an exciting fun stretch down this last month of the season the Mets just four games out of a wild card spot they are 13 games back to the division their odds of winning the division probably are not very good but you know, crazier things have happened, but most likely, or 
most realistically, the Mets are looking for a wild card spot. And with uh, reinforcements coming today with the September call-ups, it's certainly going to help give them that little bit more to push them over the edge, and it's certainly going to keep guys rested should they make it to the wild card. Guys like Seth Lugo, it's going to keep them rested as well as they continue to push towards October. Uh, One thing I want to talk about is Wilson Ramos. Wilson Ramos had four more hits yesterday. He now has a 24-game hit streak in which he's hitting 446 over that span. He's one of five players in franchise history with a hit in 24 straight games and just the fourth to do so in a single season. It's also the longest single-season hitting streak in the majors since Freddie Freeman had 30 from August 24th to September 28th back in 2016. That is per Paul Casella of MLB.com. Every Wilson Ramos, especially, I know two nights ago it was, but he's had a couple. What's even more impressive is a couple of these games where he's gotten hits, they've been pinch hits. He's come off the bench late in the game or in a big spot, and he's got to, and he gets a hit you know so they go um on this article it goes more it literally goes more in depth over where it started and then in the middle of it and then now uh where they are now or where he is now but last night he was four for five had an rbi and rose his batting average in the month of august from 255 up to 299 on the year. So an unbelievable run for Wilson Ramos. Hopefully he can continue. I'd like to see him hit 30. I'd like to see how high, or how far he could go. He's now starting to... Over the past couple months, he started to look more like the Wilson Ramos. Everybody knew from last year, the all-star Wilson Ramos. So that's great for the Mets to have. Um, with Tomas Nito out because of a concussion... They have Rene Rivera up now, who's a better defensive-minded catcher, in my opinion. But offensively, Wilson Ramos beats him nine times out of ten. So to have Wilson Ramos finally start hitting is great for the Mets. Also, that happened in the past two weeks. Pete Alonso, not only did he break the National League rookie home run record, he broke the Mets all-time single season home run record set by Todd Hundley and Carlos Beltran. They had 41 apiece. Pete Alonso notches number 42 uh, earlier this week. It was against the Cubs. Take a listen. Season as a New York Pete 
Congrats to Pete Alonso with his 42nd homer of the year. Next step is 50, of course, and how much he can build on his record. The all-time rookie home run record set by Aaron Judge two years ago is 52, I believe. So he's going to have to have another monstrous month of home runs in September to beat that. Certainly realistic. Will he do it? I think he can. I don't know if he necessarily will, but it certainly will be exciting to watch down the stretch if he uh, can do it. Also, we're going to talk a little bit about Jacob deGrom. He's back in the NL Cy Young race. Hinjin Ryu is starting to slip. He gave off back-to-back outings, giving up seven runs. So now Jacob deGrom uh, slowly working his way down. The top four pitchers in all of baseball in ERA are National League pitchers, and five of the top six are in the National League. You got Ryu leading the way at a 2 3 5. Atlanta rookie Mike Soroka at a 2 4 4. Max Scherzer at a 2 4 6. Then Jacob deGrom at a 2 6 6. Justin Verlander at a 2 6 9. And then Sonny Gray at a 2 8 0. So Jacob deGrom slow, uh, definitely getting himself back in that conversation. He's also uh, second, in, excuse me, third in the national. Well, I'd say second. I don't really know how. I'd say third in the NL in strikeouts, but you could also say second. It depends if you count Trevor Bauer, considering he started the beginning of the year with the AL. But uh, Trevor Bauer has the most strikeouts in the NL. And then Steven Strasburg, and then Jacob deGrom is literally one behind him. And then there's a, co- a comfortable margin between him and Max Scherzer. Well, it's 14 strikeout difference between deGrom and Scherzer, but for Scherzer, that's nothing. So deGrom's certainly back in the Cy Young race, considering Hinjin Ryu's recent struggles and deGrom's recent success. That NL. Cy Young, though, is wide open. You know, you got Ryu, you got Soroka, Scherzer, and DeGrom. You got four guys that legitimately could win it. So this final month is definitely going to be a difference maker. And also October might be a difference maker, too. You know, all the three of those four, potentially all four of those teams that those guys are part of will be playing in the playoffs and some voters hold playoffs accountable or how they perform in the playoffs so definitely with them all of them almost all of them DeGrom's kind of maybe right now because they're on the outside looking in but at least three of the four of them will be in the playoffs so it'll be interesting to see how they perform and what the writers think I definitely feel like DeGrom deserves a lot more credit than he's probably going to get But, you know, he's having another year like last year where he's going to be winning, you know, 10 games or something like that. And then he's going to have an ERA of zero, you know, just like last year. So definitely some things to look out for. Will um, Brandon Nimmo and Jed Lowry return? How will the Mets fare with the rosters expanding? Will... Pete Alonso hit 50 and break the MLB home run record, and will Jacob DeGrom come back and win the NL Cy Young Award?
back-to-back years. No Met has ever done that. Certainly would be excited to see that. So if you saw on Twitter, you know, one of the things, uh, we took off last week because of, it was just a crazy week. I moved, I came back to school and was moving into an uh, apartment, so it was a little crazy. But one of the things we talked about on Twitter that I said I wanted to bring up was what I would do if I were the MLB commissioner. And I wanted that to be the main focus of this episode just because I wanted to do something different as we geared towards September baseball and one playoff implications, elimination numbers, magic numbers, all that start to come up. I wanted to do a little bit on what I would do if I were the commissioner. And I think... I'd be a pretty good, well, I'd say, I yeah, I'd say I'd be a pretty good commissioner, not to toot my own horn, but what a lot of what I would do is more traditional baseball. So, like, the clock, the pitch clocks that, like, you have 20 seconds in between, I'd get rid of those. The extra, it's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of, extra innings in the minor leagues starting with the runner on second, Get rid of that. That's, I think it's from the 11th inning on they do that. It's stupid regardless. Get rid of it. I don't want to see it ever again. I'd also get rid of the extended netting, which I could talk, I'll talk about more in a little bit. And I'd want to bring, uh, or I guess get rid of the whole idea of robot umpires. I think adding robot umpire in today's world, technology being as big as it is, robot umpires in Major League Baseball, I still think, it feels like it's inevitable, it's going to happen at some point, but I think it is so stupid and should not happen. Like, taking away the human aspect of the game and putting a robot there, I think is absolutely dumb. And that's really all I could say about it. I just think it's dumb. You know, some if some of you want to disagree that's fine you have every right to and you want to explain your side I don't really understand the other side you know I don't understand why people want robot umpires other than the fact that sometimes umpires (laughs) Angel Hernandez cough cough make absolutely atrocious calls on balls and strikes but other than that I don't understand why like that doesn't happen in my opinion enough to justify having robot umpires so it's really up to how you interpret how often it happens. I would definitely love to hear more on the other side of robot umpires. So if you're for robot umpires listening to this, let us know down below what you're thinking. I definitely want to know the more to the other side of that argument. Uh, back to the extended netting. I absolutely hate the extended netting. We t- I talked about it earlier, you guys know. I went on a probably a huge rant, probably a boring rant about it. However, the extended netting is absolutely dumb. And now that they're starting to extend the netting all the way to the foul poles, you know, when I go to a, I just because of where I live and where it is in terms of distance away from Major League stadiums, I don't get to go to Major League games a lot. You know, I'm about. I'm just a little under eight hours away from City Field. The closest MLB stadium to me is uh, Pittsburgh, which is about four and a half hours away. So I don't get where, where in terms of where I live. So I don't get to go to a lot of 
MLB games. I go to a lot of minor league games just because there's a minor league team. There's a AAA team in the city I'm from. There's another AAA team an hour away. There's another one an hour and a half away. So I mostly go to minor league games. I don't get a chance to go to a lot of major league games. So when I do go, I've been to three at City Field. I've been to one at SunTrust Park and one at Tropicana Field. When I go to those places, I go there for to have the best experience ever because I know it's going to be a while before I'm back there or it's going to be a while before I'm at another game. So I try to enjoy it as much as I can. And if I have and if enjoying it is staring through a net for three hours, uh uh-uh. uh. You know, some people say like, oh you can't even notice it. Maybe that's true, but I can notice it. And I don't like it. So I don't enjoy it. I understand and I fully respect the reasoning for them doing it. I think fan safety should be a priority for them. I disagree with how they're implementing it. I don't think it should be as far as going down to the foul poles. You know, because, excuse me, you're getting rid of the fan experience in my eyes. So, like, if people are down there trying to get autographs or toss-ups from players beforehand, how the only, like how are you going to do it when you got a giant net in the way? You know, they may have a thing, I believe... Who has it? I believe Oakland has it. I think some other teams have it, but I'm pretty sure I've seen it in Oakland. I could be wrong. But the net comes up before game, and once first pitch starts, it goes back down so players and fans can still interact with each other. Which, that has to be the case if MLB is going to continue forward with this netting. I wouldn't be surprised, though. Really, really, I'm being for real right now. I wouldn't be surprised if netting ended up going around the entire stadium, like wrapping around the outfield fence. I would not be surprised to see that within the next five to ten years, I'd give it. But I just, I could go on forever, but I'm just going to keep it simple there. I understand the purpose for the netting. I think it's absolutely stupid. Or not stupid, I don't. Like it, I do think is stupid is the clock and the runner on second from the eleventh inning on, and the robot umpires. So, essentially, in a nutshell, I would bring back traditional major league baseball. (laughs) You know, I want to see guys arguing with each other. I mean, if you look at today's game. You don't see man. You see managers getting injected, ejected, but you don't see it. It's not as exciting to watch. You know they'd come out there, they scream, they run back. I mean, back then you had earlier baseball. You had Lloyd McClennan literally picking up a bag and walking off the field, going to each umpire individually and yelling at him. I mean, <laughs> you don't see that anymore, which is kind of the aspect I miss. I miss seeing uh, the. Umps and players, umps and coaches, managers, all yelling. I th- I think it adds a certain dynamic to the game, and it adds a little more excitement. Kind of like in hockey, when there's fights, it adds more excitement. I definitely think I feel like the ejections add that excitement. Uh, one of the other things that I thought of was a lost statistic that's or it's starting to become a lost statistic in today's game. Is stolen bases. You know, it you you used to be seeing guys stealing 50 bags a year, 50, 60 ba- bags a year. 
Now you're not seeing that anymore. The leader in stolen bases right now is Malik Smith with 39. There's only four guys over 30 right now with a month left to play. And there's only 13 guys in all of Major League Baseball with at least 20. So stolen bases kind of becoming a lost stat in today's game. So one of the things I uh, talked about implementing was you have to steal at least one base a game. It doesn't matter who, where, or when, but having, but stolen base is more is such a strat, strategic move, and such a lost art, I guess. I would say art for lack of a better word, stealing a base, but it's sort of become lost in the shuffle, and definitely having at least one per game, or something to that effect, would I think add a little more strategy, add a little more flair, especially late in games. Seeing guys try and steal bags, uh, it would also make them more careful. It also make them uh, maybe try it early, stealing early to get out of the way, or maybe they try and sneak one in there late. There's a lot of different ways, <clears throat> really, you can go with it, you know. But those were some a lot of the big things, you know. It's hard because since I don't have a co-host or someone else with me, I could get talk. We could talk about this for probably well over an hour. So I can just really spout out ideas for you guys that I thought of if I were the commissioner. I definitely would be old school baseball. I do not like new age. I don't like the new age aspect of it. You know, with the I don't mind the analytics, but with the you know players only going for home runs, guys aren't stealing anymore. We're trying to put a clock on the game, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. It's just little things like that I would change to make things better. Obviously, Manfred has implemented the um, changes, or he's using the Atlantic League in the minors as kind of like his guinea pig where he's testing new ideas. But honestly, if I were the commissioner, I would not be trying these. I would tr try new things. I tried thinking of what I could try new, but I really couldn't figure anything out at the moment. But I would definitely keep a lot of traditional baseball and get rid of a lot of this new age baseball. So I'm curious to see what you guys think. I want you guys to let me down below. If you were commissioner, what's maybe one or two rules that you would change, uh, implement, and get rid of, stuff like that. With rosters expanding to 40, another thing I thought of was maybe not have it at 40, maybe have it at 30 or you know, a different number. I just feel like having 15 extra guys is just asking for um, to draw away fans because games may take longer because you keep going to guys in the bullpen because you're like, oh, I got 15 extra guys. I'm going to keep going. And you're going to lose. I mean, not for me, but for other fans, you're going to lose their attention span and they're not going to want to come or stay as much as everyone else. So it's, a, it, it's little things like that. I feel like you could change that would make the game more appealing and more popular among t I mean in today's society it seems like football and basketball are becoming more and more popular than baseball because people don't have the attention span to sit there and watch a game so I feel like these little changes would help get fans to the ballpark would help get fans to stay and enjoy themselves and none of them are really major things. There are a lot of little things, but I do feel like they would help.
so that's pretty much going to get close to the end of this episode. We're going to wrap it up now with a little bit of MLB wrap-up. Last night, the Bomba Squad, Minnesota Twins, hit their 268th homer of the season. Mitch Garver hit it in Comerica Park in Detroit. They now hold the MLB all-time record for home runs in a single season. They also set another record. They had eight, over eight players on their roster have over 20 home runs, which is absolutely insane that they have eight guys, more than eight guys that have over 20 homers. Uh, Definitely Minnesota is going to be one, and they can all run really fast too. So it's definitely going to be interesting to watch Minnesota in the playoffs. Presumably I still, I see them hanging on to the central and right now Yankees may get the one seed. It might be Houston, but they'll either have the Yankees or Houston in the first round. So depending on who they have, it'll definitely be a really fun series to watch. I think Twins and Astros would be absolutely insane to watch. Uh, Mike Trout, greatest player on the planet. Remember him? Yeah, he became the youngest player to join the 200-200 club. So for those of you who don't know, that's 200 career home runs, 200 career stolen bases. Uh, he joins, he's the youngest player ever. He had 283 career home runs and 199 stolen bases before entering 200-200. He stole a base last night. And Barry Bonds was the previous youngest at 28 years and 349 days. Mike Trout was 28 years and 24 days. So Mike Trout's next, or the next stat they're talking about, I guess, is 400-400 in his career, in which Barry Bonds is the only member of the 400-400 club. So Mike Trout definitely, he's only 28 years old, definitely has another 10 years, I'd say, in him, 10-12 years. So I would... Definitely not put that out of the realm of possibility of him being a 400-400 guy. But definitely, I wish, I guess one another rule I would implement is changing game times, making them earlier. Because I hate that I can't watch Mike Trout. Because I live on the East Coast, so West Coast games start at 10 o'clock. So I'm not, and I'm not staying up till, staying up till whenever... You know, the Angels and Red Sox went to 15 the other day and it ended at 3.30 in the morning Eastern time. I'm not staying up until then to watch to watch the game. You know, I got stuff to do earlier in the morning, so I can't afford to stay up that late. I wish I could work it out that games could be earlier and good for the players and also good for the fans, you know. Even if it was just an hour moving up maybe have games at 6 10 instead of 7 10 or maybe even a half an hour you know little thing marlins are doing that next year they're having games start at 6 40 so little things like that definitely could help attract more fans especially since mike trout should be the face of baseball so ML, mlb needs to do a job of they're doing it right now but they need to do more with uh broadcasting to the world look at what we got in our sport 
and definitely moving up game times I feel like would be a good addition to it. So before I uh, go on another, before I go on a really long time, I could go on a really long rant, but I'm not going to. So that's going to wrap up episode 12 of the Our City Podcast. The Mets gave us a little scare, but they're, they got it together. They got it together. It looks like offense is coming back to life. Edwin Diaz is figuring things out finally. They'll go for the sweep today against the Phillies, and then they'll head to D.C., which I think is the biggest season, biggest series of the year. We know if you remember back in 2015, Labor Day weekend, they had a series with the Nationals. That was kind of like their pivotal moment of the year. This is that again. So, hope, and they'll have to face off Scherzer, I know, in that series. So, we're looking at our Mets hopefully getting back in the wild card. They're four games out with just a little bit left to play. we got less than a month. Rosters expand today. Hopefully, Nimmo will be back soon. Hopefully, Lowry will make his season debut finally. Cano, hopefully, will be back soon. And, yeah. I mean, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you like. Make sure you tell your friends about us and follow us on social media. Check out the description for all of our links below. And hope you enjoyed this episode of the Our City Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Let's go Mets.